Hi, I'm Jordan. And I'm Kit. Welcome to Starry Time. Asterisms edition. Where stars plus lines equal stories. With an asterisk. In these episodes, we'll explore ideas, concepts, or people that didn't make it into the main show, or just certain things that we want to talk more about. In today's episode, we'll be reviewing and discussing episode one of the space opera television show, Andromeda. This episode is titled Under the Night. This show was based on work by Gene Roddenberry, of course of Star Trek fame, and it Mm -hmm. aired between 2000 and 2005. Spoiler warning, (laughs) if you somehow not deep dived onto the Andromeda series, we will be discussing this pilot episode in depth. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to go and watch it for free, albeit with ads, it is available on YouTube. So give it a watch if you'd like to learn more. Feel free to pause now. Come back in approximately one hour. So let's get started with a recap of what happened in this episode as best as we can remember, because it has been just a little bit of time since we watched it. It's going to be burned into my memory forever. So <laughs> don't worry too much about me. So, of course, the show begins with swelling orchestral music and the text, If the Commonwealth's high guard had a weakness, it was this. Its officers were too competent, too caring, and too brave. This is like when you, you know, are at a job interview and they're like, what's your biggest weakness? And you're like, I care too much. I I work too hard. After a pause, we do wind up seeing that this text is from an in-world book entitled The Rise and Fall of the System's Commonwealth. Yeah, so we should be gleaning that this is, that there's something has gone wrong with said commonwealth. So that's what we're supposed to I think get from this, although I you know still was not following. <laughs> And that's the only sort of guide we're going to get because the first basically 15 or 20 minutes of the show are a long, uninterrupted space action sequence. Yeah, so we open. There are people running around the ship. They've got blue and red jumpsuits. There's what can only be described as fembots. Um, (laughs) And then we have our captain, Captain Dylan Hunt, portrayed by Kevin Sorbo, sort of at peak Kevin Sorbo. And um, all of a sudden, he is jumping down like a ship's wide jet freeze tube that's what they're called in star trek Mm. and the cgi here is (laughs) it's like astonishingly bad like yeah it's bad um and the hair is flowing and he's jumping down um the jeffrey's tube um with some uh rapidity yes he is (laughs) moving basically down what would be like the kind of pneumatic tube you would Uh see at a bank and put like the world's worst green screen behind him Um, because it is not convincing. And you and me, we love some cheap graphics, Mm -hmm. but there's something about these graphics here that are particularly dated and Mm -hmm. particularly probably felt cheap even at the time. Yeah. And there was a lot of like strobe effects. So, you know, if you're sensitive to that genuinely, like just skip the first 20 minutes of this show because there's a lot of them. Yep, so we are getting strobing, we're getting constant action, we have no idea really what's going mm-hmm. on. Within 
minutes longer than you'd like we find out that the ship is doing a drill mm -hmm. we also find out that there are a bunch of aliens aboard this ship mm -hmm. there's a um a, a guy with tusks mm -hmm. there's tusk a guy tusk guy uh mm -hmm. there's like a a bug uh pilot lady mm -hmm. I, what is she a fly i think maybe but like giant more importantly we do learn that andromeda is the name of the ship or the ship's computer. Mm -hmm. um, and we are introduced to said Andromeda through a hologram slash avatar image. And of course, uh, she's a beautiful woman. And um, Bop, who joined joined us for just the beginning of this show, decided he did not need to see the entirety of it, commented that, um, well, gosh, her, her top was pretty low cut. <laughs> as you expect from every good operating system in the 23rd century. But yes, we learn the ship's name is Andromeda and the actress who is portraying this avatar is Lexa Doig, whose other credits also include Jason X, of course, the 10th installment of the Friday the 13th series. I think that's also the one where they go into outer space. She got her reps in uh, <laughs> her here in Andromeda. Reps. We also learn through really poor exposition that <laughs> Captain Hunt is engaged. And then his officer says some really gross pronatalist stuff about, you know, how marriage is important, not for love or for commitment or for society, but for producing babies explicitly yeah it was gross um also worthy of note that both hunt and his officers have ridiculous superhero mm. jaws having an exposition chat and then suddenly the drill becomes reality and the ship is called to the hephaestus star system which is being exposed to a rogue black hole a rogue black hole coming yes. in strong well apparently we learn that Hephaestus, the star system, is home to a large Nietzschean population. And we learn that the Nietzscheans, that they are a very militaristic, eugenics-based faction. And for some reason, now there's a battle going on. Yeah, this was really confusing. So they get called to the Hephaestus star system to because of this rogue black hole and i'm like so here for it but then the nietzscheans are attacking the commonwealth ship andromeda and there's this discussion of it being like an ambush and that's all i really understood but then i was like so is there but there is definitely a rogue black hole um mm -hmm. it will become important later but um basically yeah like the some kind of battles ensuing andromeda gets caught in the black hole but don't worry, our courageous captain really, really has a plan about what to do. Yes, I mean, Dylan Hunt, don't doubt him just because they didn't splurge on the CGI. <laughs> um, oh, wait, definitely doubt him because it never really becomes clear what his plan is other than he's assuring everyone to get off the ship and he has a plan. Yes, so he orders the rest of the ship to evacuate except the bug alien pilot who insists mm. on staying, like a classic, who like, who better to do this, like, uh, you know, piloting uh, than me? Kind of reminded me of, like, Erica on the Star Trek um, Strange New Worlds. Like, I, I fly the ship. This kind of energy coming from um, the space bug. Space fly. Yes. Um, oh, yes. And so then um, Captain, one of Captain Hunt's commanders, who we find out is a Nietzschean, 
also starts murdering people at this time and makes his way to the bridge. Yeah, all we really know is he's got a very square jaw and he really likes murdering. <laughs> Everything besides that is still unclear to us. Yep, and so the commander who was, again, just moments ago talking to Captain Hunt about his um, upcoming wedding is murdering um, people, murders the bug pilot, and then he and Hunt have a battle, which is m both battle and exposition. Yes, and this battle slash exposition definitely has like a 90s Mortal Kombat feel. Mm -hmm. It's very cheesy. It looks mm -hmm. like a stunt show. Again, mm -hmm. low budget. But we do find out these, quote, Nietzscheans are some sort of like space Nazi. Mm -hmm. um, of course, really concerned with a perfect eugenics master race type vision. Mm -hmm. And I guess they're like, not really into this whole commonwealth systems after all. Mm -hmm. So then some like very shady and not very scientific time dilation happens on the ship. And it, it makes no sense. They should not be experiencing time dilation as people on the ship together. You know, Doctor Who has a really great time dilation episode with Bill and the Cybermen. But the reason why that works is because the ship is so enormous that like people at the bottom of the ship and the top of the ship experience time differently. But they're literally in the same room fighting each other and they're experiencing time dilation so i that did not make sense to me i don't i don't think that's right eventually though hunt kills his square jawed commander foe and then seems to freeze so next is i don't recall there being any sort of um there's sort of like a, a fade out and then we see a ragtag group of um, characters on a salvage ship that we learn is planning to pull Andromeda out of the event horizon. Because again, it's been it's been caught in the event horizon of this mm -hmm. rogue black hole. All right, let's talk about this crew for a second. We have a human captain, Becca Valentine. We have Seamus Harper, who is basically the same character as Walsh from Firefly. They even look quite alike, mm -hmm. um, except now he's a mechanic. Mm -hmm. And then we, of course, have Trance, who is a medical officer <laughs> on the ship doesn't seem to be like that correlates to her role at least mm -hmm. in this pilot episode we we see her performing no medicine no. but she is purple mm -hmm. and she has a tail and uh she's got the most 2000 hair that you've ever seen with like butterfly clips and it's it's really giving and her full name in case you're wondering is a trance gemini and then, of course, we also have my favorite character of the show, who is Rev, short for Reverend. And he is basically a horrifying man-bat, bat-faced guy. Mm -hmm. The bat people are known as the Magog, and we're told they've committed some kind of genocide in the fight sequence before between Hunt and his uh, you know, commander who he kills. Yeah, and I think that Rev is a sort of snub-nosed bat. Mm. So he's got a, a face that looks straight out of 60s universal horror, <laughs> uh, which immediately drew me in. He is not the only sentient creature on the ship. We also have Shrew Guy, who <laughs> is the guy paying for this salvage job. 
And his whole deal is um, he's kind of sketchy. He's Mm -hmm. very ornately dressed, very blinged out. And when we say shrew guy, we mean literally he he has a a, a shrew's face. Uh Yeah. So this ragtag crew is able to yank the ship, the Andromeda, out of the event horizon because Harper is, I guess, just a really, really good engineer slash mechanic. And as they pull the ship out of the event horizon, we get back to Hunt, who's now talking to Andromeda. And Andromeda breaks it to Hunt that they have experienced actual time dilation now, and they are now 300 years in the future. Time Mm -hmm. dilation, wibbly wobbly. We also find out that Harper has some kind of space measles, Mm -hmm. which Andromeda, the Avatar CPU, said was eliminated through vaccines many years ago. And then we get the classic Kevin Sorbo shock face. Mm. Everyone we know is dead. All of our missions have failed. Mm. We lost the war. The Commonwealth is gone. The ragtag team has boarded the Andromeda. So that's sort of what's going on here. And Andromeda is sort of looking at everybody. And that's how we find out that Harper has measles. And of course, through this whole sequence, Hunt blames himself. Like, you know, uh, that one thing, that one battle, it must have been his fault. And then um, he goes about ensuring that this ragtag crew can't take his ship from him. It's all he has left. So yeah, we get this great moment where Harper runs into Hunt, a.k.a. Kevin Sorbo. Mm-hmm. Harper coming away from this interaction and saying, quote, I'm telling you, the guy is huge. He's like some kind of Greek god or something. <laughs> Which is just some incredible lampshading <laughs> callback to Sorbo's prior role as Hercules. So as the crew of the salvage ship try to figure out how to defeat Hunt and sort of also Andromeda, um, even though this also, again, makes no sense, he's literally one guy. There's a bunch of them and just one of him. So anyways, they're trying to figure out what to do. And then Shrew Guy, who remembers funding this whole endeavor, reveals that he's got secret cargo, uh, a Nietzschean fighter who basically they open up, you know, the doors to the ship and he's there and he's got guns and guns and guns (laughs) right um yeah he's got this proto rock proto jason momoa uh he's a fellow gladiator Mm -hmm. ready to match forces with our greek god Mm -hmm. hercules slash dylan hunt we see this giant imposing gladiator figure and the credits roll And the very first credit is Majel Barrett, who produced the show. Majel plays my favorite character in all of Star Trek history, Laxwana Troy. She also plays Nurse Chapel in the original series, along with voicing the computer in numerous Star Trek shows. And she was Gene Roddenberry's second wife. (laughs) Also important to note that the very first thing that you said when we finished was, let's watch another. I was in. I had finally learned all of these uh-huh. proper nouns. Right. Mm-hmm. No, no. I was left on this cliffhanger, and I was ready to learn how we bring these different sets of characters together. So before we uh, get into the rest of the episode, maybe we'll just do a really rapid fire um, reminder of the characters. We'll get to some overall opinions. We'll talk 
favorite and least favorite. And then we'll wrap up as we like to do with some Brett constellations of the show. All right. So character one, Dylan Hunt. He is the captain of the Andromeda ship. He is basically a square job Boy Scout. What more do you need to know? Andromeda. That's the AI ship. Low cut. I, we don't know why. Becca Valentine. She is the captain of the salvage ship. She has also a very square jaw, <laughs> so that's how we know that she is ready to be a captain. Seamus Harper. Oh, yeah, that's the mechanic guy, the guy who's got the best line in the show. Oh, my God, he looks like a Greek god and also has space measles. <laughs> yeah, transgemini. Uh, she's purple. Uh, she's got 90s hair, lots of clips. She's got a long tail. Rev Bem. My favorite character, the best character in the show. <laughs> Snub nose, back guy, talks kind of like with a growl. Generex? Gerentex? I don't know how to say it. We never heard the name enough for me to know. He looks like a shrew. He's really into leopard print. Mm -hmm. He wears a lot of gold chains. He's got some real antagonist energy. Excellent work. Uh, so what were your overall feelings about the episode? Acknowledging, of course, that pilots can be hard to judge a show on. Yeah, this show had some real pacing issues. Mm. Um, that first 20 minutes of just like you're thrown into chaos without any exposition. But it's just so messy. And like I said, disorienting mm -hmm. and does not draw you into the world. It's mm -hmm. just a very long action, poorly done action shot. Mm -hmm. um, that aside, <laughs> I did find about halfway into the show when they did experience the time dilation. And it was 300 years later. Um, I was starting to get more engaged. I didn't hate it. How about you? What were your thoughts? Well, overall, it's no Star Trek. Well, although, you know, kind of does have some original series vibes, but that's not a compliment when it's coming out in the 2000s. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I can also see the potential. Um, nothing happened during it that made me want to rage quit, right? Like nothing happened that I was like, oh my gosh. And that doesn't mean that there isn't something that, you know, could come up. Um, I will note that, as I said earlier, uh, Bob started the episode with us, made it 20 minutes in, um, and predicted Andromeda and Hunt were going to the future <laughs> and then left. Um, so that was Bop's sort of takeaway. So, but there was nothing in there that was, you know, like I also I think would be willing to watch a few more episodes. I wasn't I wasn't like I have to watch some more episodes, but I'd be open to to trying a few more. Uh, maybe when you come to visit, you know, we can uh, we can undertake that. <laughs> and I think um, maybe it's to be said. I don't think Bob Bob rage quit either. I think he mostly. I roll quit or um, <laughs> yes. didn't seem like he was inspired, uh, you know, to throw the monitor against no, the wall right. in disgust. But no, after 20 minutes of pure chaos <laughs> and lack of story and bad effects, um, turns out there just wasn't a lot there that he felt like he had to be a part of. Yeah, his final verdict was it seemed pretty bad and it did not leave a good first impression. <laughs> And he didn't even get to meet Bat Guy or Shrew Guy. That's the worst part. Surely that would have changed his in interpretation and his right. impression. <laughs> Truly his loss. But overall, um, I was expecting it to be a lot worse. And based on this one episode, you know, I can't really strongly recommend it. But, you know, if you want the first part of this podcast to make more sense yeah go ahead and watch it if you have nothing else going on you know like you're you're looking for something while you're doing something else um all right kip 
Before we end with some suggestions to retcon and improve this show, shall we reveal our favorite and least favorite parts of this pilot episode of television? Yeah, we agreed to keep these secret until now, uh, so I'll be curious to to hear what you came up with. So what was your favorite part of this episode, Jordan? What was your your one thing that you liked the most? Turns out I can't keep a secret since I've been talking about it this whole time. <laughs> um, It's Rev Bem. It's Batface Guy. Uh-huh. Like I talked about earlier, he's got these horrific werewolf arms. <laughs> like the more they zoom out on his body and his hands, like the more nightmare fuel he becomes. Yeah. And like him and Shrew Guy, you know, they have this real like Mm-mm. Power Rangers bad guy. Um, cheap, cheap, cheap. Um, but still not CGI effects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I did do some reading about Rev. Um, he does not get included in later episodes in later seasons because the makeup was such a pain <laughs> that the actor did not want to participate in the show anymore. Wow. Um, but yes, that's sort of like very um Halloween discount mm-hmm. store costuming. Uh, Rev <laughs> Bem was my favorite. How about you, Kit? What were your favorite parts of this episode? So obviously I loved when Harper, you know, has the Greek God lampshading line. That was probably the highlight of the show for me. Um, I also liked the aesthetics of the ship uh, Mm -hmm. itself. And there's a really cool part uh, in the episode where Trance is sort of wandering around the ship and we see that there's this like giant arboretum with this big tree. And that was really cool. I loved that idea. Um, there's also at one point Hunt's talking to Andromeda and is standing in a room that seems to have like an observatory floor. So like there's, you know, some kind of banister and then the floor kind of has a window to space. And that was just like kind of cool looking. Um, yeah. So those were my sort of things that I that I liked the most um, about the episode. You're not going to mention the black hole subplot and how yeah, that's well also- <laughs> done the time dilation was. I mean, I love the appearance of a rogue black hole. I think that is really fun, but it don't feel like it lived to its full potential. So, that being said, let's move on to the least favorites. What was yours, Kit? Well, all the gross pronatalist stuff at the top, really. I was like, oh, yucky. Don't like that. Don't like, I was like, I don't even want that to be in here to show, like, how bad this character is. Like, I don't want that anywhere. Um, That was awful. I also... I Rev Bem, I no, <laughs> nope. But that was the face. He's of the our sh- secretary bird <laughs> of Andromeda the TV show. And the shrew face, I did not like looking at them. I wanted a lot less, and that was my least favorite. Do you have any other least favorites you'd like to mention before no. I get to tell you mine? No, I think that was it. How about yours? What were your least favorites? I'll get into more in the rec constellations about some of the casting mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That, that didn't really win me over. Um, other other least favorites was, again, poor pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really like the orchestral score at the beginning, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> Let's talk about what we think Andromeda could have done better. All right, sounds good. Well, first, as mentioned in the last segment, we got to recast Sorbo. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not the only guy who can uh, captain a ship. Well, my first choice here would be just to cast Lucy Lawless. I think she would do an amazing job. But did you did you have anybody else that you thought might uh, fill this role better? 
Oh, what a great choice. Uh, of course, Lucy would have crushed it. Crushed also it. at her peak and her prime. Mm-hmm. I had a few ideas for okay. who I would like besides Kevin Sorbo. Um, first, I thought this would have been a great vehicle for early rock. Like late 90s rock hasn't broken to the mainstream conscience yet. Rock, you would have crushed it. What about um, like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Perfect. Yep, Arnold's in my top five. Actually, you know what would have been the best recast of all, now that I'm thinking about it? What? Get your hands on the chat. Get the chat back. <laughs> what, what was he up to in the 90s? Is a good question. I mean, he was about to star on Boston Legal. Or the 2000s, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was about to star on Boston Legal, but let's bring him back. Yeah. Let's bring him <laughs> back as a new character. Just don't acknowledge that he's like a, a fantastically important canon character from Star Trek, literally yeah. the competitive series. Just bring him back and pretend he, he doesn't have all that history. <laughs> that, you know, if you're not going to go with any of the action stars, um, that's my suggestion. Bring mm-hmm. back the chat. A second retcon would be to give Andromeda just like a better outfit um, and also just make her fully sentient. Because she's sitting in this weird intersection where it's not clear if she's an AI. It's not clear how much, like, is she the ship? You know, there's it's those things are sort of unclear. And so maybe it becomes more clear throughout the season. But I think, yeah, just like a not necessarily have to be a higher cut outfit just cooler looking like her outfit's just not that cool and i'd love for it to be clearer you know um that she's sort of the one in charge and she's um yeah yeah is she yeah is she an avatar or is she like a highly sentient ai right we don't know we don't know but yeah the uniforms on the show are also just Gnarly. You know, we see the uniforms that they go in when they're walking between the ships. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like they're just walking around in like like plastic mm-hmm. nuclear radiation yeah. bags. Mm-hmm. You know, they might as well be dressing in, in, in garbage bags. It's bad. Um, so, yeah. And then, of course, the Commonwealth uniforms also seem like, mm-hmm. you know, bad Star Trek ripoffs. Um, the costuming for everyone, save for Rev Bem, <laughs> is pretty questionable. Uh, third, get your time dilation straight. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Da- you know, come on now. Come on. You're supposed to be a science fiction right. show, and come you've got to get the science at least kind of, like, care a little bit. A little bit. Uh, uh, if I had any other wreck constellation ideas, just, again, plot base, just bunk the first 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Just start mm-hmm. with Kevin Sorbo waking up with no memory uh, on the ship. Just delete all of that. It wasn't mm. helpful. No. It was very confusing. Very confusing. Um, remaster those graphics. You know, uh, we, we do it for TV shows now. Maybe, maybe Andromeda needs a little of that. They're bad. Well, Kit, <laughs> after talking about doing this pod for months, we have done it. Woo-hoo. We committed to the task. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would say... It's because we were too competent. (laughs) We were too caring. We were too brave. This has been Kit. And Jordan. Sisters, lovers of stars and stories. And we'll see you next time. On Starry Time. Starry Time.